The views expressed on this program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of KKNW, its management, or other advertisers. This program is sponsored by Manson Mitchell. You understand what that dog says? Sure, we all do. Come on, gang. Let's split up. Now, hold on a second there, mister. We're going after some creepy ghost person, and you want us to split up? Well, yeah. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy happy weekend. We're getting a jump on it here. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. And of course, we are here through the good graces and technical expertise of bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you today, sir? Um... <laughs> well, it is Seattle, you know. And why are you meditating today spring, during the show? Spring is sprung. We're getting into it. We're doing this. We're doing it. All right. <laughs> Very nice. This is great. And we're going to talk much about the Northwest, mm. and in particular, an annual event that attracts attention from around the country and, for all I know, around the world. Why am I able to speak so boldly? Because our guest today, once again, is Nicole Strickland. She is an amazingly astute researcher of ghosts and other aspects of the paranormal. She's a multi-published author and a fine writer at that. And she asked me, Suzanne, I didn't mention this over our breakfast coffee, but Nicole is guessing that this is visit number seven to Manson Mitchell. I didn't look it up. I okay. will do so. Very good. <laughs> as, far as, as far as I'm concerned, it's at least a, stay tuned. And lucky caller seven, if that turns right. out to be the number, you win the prize that goes with the phrase that the, pays. The one job you had, Suzanne. The one job. You had one job to do. You didn't do it. The one job. Actually, she has quite a few jobs I to know, do. That's true. I know, that's true. I told Nicole yeah. she's the record keeper, and the records are still being kept. We just have to access them. She's a researcher. She knows about that. Yeah. Let us introduce our guest. Mad props for Nicole Strickland. Nicole Strickland currently resides in San Diego, California, has been intrigued with the paranormal since childhood, and has studied the field for many years. She has been actively investigating historical landmarks and private residences for paranormal activity since the early 2000s after a profound experience with the spirit of her grandmother. In 2009, she founded and served as Paranormal Research Society, Director of San Diego Paranormal Research Society and serves as the team's EVP specialist and historical locations case manager. She was also a core member of the Ghost Research Society, holding the GRS Southern California Area Research Director position from 2009 to 2017. Nicole also serves as a consultant to the World Paranormal Investigations, as well as a California representative for the American Spectral Society. And in her spare time, she is an area representative to various Pacific Northwest paranormal research teams, and that is the subject of our conversation today. Welcome once again to Manson Mitchell, Nicole. Thank you for having me again. It's such a pleasure. Good to see you. Yeah. Actually, we do mean it literally to see each other. I think this is the first I time know. we've done this <laughs> little video. Thanks to Zoom, right? Excellent. Oh my gosh. I'm I know. 
I'm going to come up with a, a nice soft teaser question to get us started. And I think Suzanne is going to check her record. She's like a baseball statistician. She'll tell you <laughs> I knew how it. many times Ted it. Williams drew a walk. <laughs> oh Never mind my gosh. I love it. You are now associated. How many years, speaking of a, a finite number, how many years have you been attending as a featured presenter the Oregon Ghost Conference? Oh, since 2015. And, you know, it's... It's funny because I was sitting at my computer one day. This was back in 2015, of course. And I was looking up conferences in the Pacific Northwest and I saw Oregon Ghost Conference and I thought, okay, let me email them. So then I found Rocky Smith. He's the director of the conference and uh, him and actually another uh, friend of mine up there, William Becker, uh, they actually... I think developed the conference back in 2012, but Rocky serves as the director of the conference. And he's also the, the uh, founder of Northwest ghost tours up there. And there's a local historian up in the area, pretty well known up there. So I emailed him and I said, you know, I would love to maybe attend your, your conference one day. If you ever need a speaker, uh, you know, I offered some of my different topics. I'm like, I also like, I've done a lot of research on the queen Mary you know, and a lot of people request that they want to hear about the history and hauntings of the ship. So I said, you know, if you ever need a speaker, let me know. And he wrote back and he was like, oh, my God, I've I've been looking for someone to talk about the ship and all this. And it just was like it was like a match made in heaven. And so I've been attending it ever since 2015. And it's a fantastic conference. It's the largest in the Pacific Northwest and it's growing like it, each year it gets bigger and bigger and bigger it's like amazing and so uh, it has different classes and uh, tours uh, different presentations all kinds of events so this year because of COVID well last year they couldn't have it because of COVID and this year too um, due to COVID they're, they can't have it on site because it's usually the last weekend of March like the last three days like Friday Saturday and Sunday and so this year they thought, well, because of COVID, let's just make it a week-long event. And so hence the name Ghost Week. And so it's been going on the whole week. So it's fantastic. And is it ending this weekend then? Yeah, Sunday, I believe, is the last day. Yeah. So is it entirely virtual for the second year? Uh last year they didn't have it at all. And they then this year it's okay. no because of COVID, but this year right. it's mostly virtual. There are some tours up there on Seaside, Oregon. I know Rocky's leading a couple of tours up there. And then my friend Jeff Davis is leading a tour in Astoria. So okay. but most of it's virtual. But you know, it's great. Well, it's last great. year I understand canceling at the last minute because of COVID. Yeah. But now it like everybody else, it's given us time to figure out how to do things virtually. Right. And, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm surprised at how many things can be done virtually now. I know. And, I mean, I even switched over doing my banking virtually. I mean, I was doing mm -hmm. online bill paying for a while. But, you know, they said, we'll put this app on your phone. You can deposit checks and do everything. I haven't been into a bank in over a year. Oh, my God. I do the same thing. Like, it's all, like, just done via my phone. And it's it, it's crazy. Yes, it's crazy. But look at all the things we've learned about how to do things off-site that right? we never thought we could ever do. Even doctor's appointments. 
you know, having a FaceTime doctor's appointment, mm -hmm. you know, put the camera on that uh, sore on your leg. Let's see what that <laughs> looks like. You know, I mean, crazy stuff. I know. Oh my gosh. I know. I've actually yeah. had a teledoc appointment. So I, I know too. what that's like. <laughs> I have too. I, I got shingles last year and he's looking at my shingles. Oh my. Well, you got the shingles. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, that can be so I painful. Mean, it was. It oh was. my gosh. But I mean, I didn't know that. Oh my goodness. To be, to be able to do all of that virtually, including a doctor's appointment, is pretty, pretty darn amazing. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. And I'm sure you hope to get back to doing it live and in person. And yeah. hopefully that will happen next year when all yeah. of this craziness yeah. is over. We're yeah, hoping for next year. I mean, honestly, there's so many people um that would be a bet obviously a much better interviewer than me about the conference. I mean, Rocky Smith, obviously, he's the director of it. And then he has a committee, it's called the OGC committee, which is comprised of, of course, Rocky, um, Kristen Gray. Uh, Jeff Davis, um, Aaron Collins, um, and a few other people as well. And so they do so much for planning this event. I mean, I'm just an attendee. Um, but, you know, of course, I help promote it and things like that every year. But it's, I mean, they would be fantastic to have on to interview because they know so much more than I do. Mm. So you said something in I think it was your most recent podcast and feel free to tell us about that and where people can find it. But you said sure. something that I'm going to use right now. And again, at 1 p.m. Pacific time, when you are one of three honored guests on American Road Trip Talk, a half hour broadcast, then podcast that I am pleased to host on 1150 a.m., with that being the case, here is the line you said, man, did that, it was just like an arrow right coming right for me. And I thought, oh, <laughs> then we've got to bring this up because it says so much about the field. In your most recent podcast, you said that there is a kinship between history and the paranormal. When yes. you talk about one, it entails the other and you can't separate them. I no. thought that was brilliant because anytime mm -hmm. I look haunted house what does a haunted house have two things ghosts and history right yeah i mean it's so true i think that you know there's all kinds of theories that have been developed over the years i mean even back to our founding fathers in the field you know harry price days and that and you know way back 100 years ago and there's different theories that have been developed that po can possibly explain why ghosts and spirits you know, interact with the living. And so, you know, obviously those theories can't prove we're not, you know, I'm never out to prove the existence of ghosts. That's not my job. I'm out to find the truth and, you know, if, if, and present the data that I have and the experiences and I leave it up to the, you know, people, if they decide, okay, yeah, that's something that's interesting, then that's great. If they want to be cynical about it, that's fine. That's their prerogative. But um, I think that, history and the paranormal i think history is the main foundation because really it allows us as researchers to get a glimpse into what life was like before we obviously came into existence and so i think that there's such a a profound connection between historical events and um and and paranormal events and this this equates to uh intelligent energies as well as residual so it's, you know, it's something that you can't ignore. And when I was interviewing Rocky Smith, actually, last week, not last night, but last week 
on my show, which is the Afterlife Chronicles. And I debuted that in October of uh, 2020. And uh, my shows, if I had to summarize it in one theme or in one sentence, it's uh, showcasing the profound connection between mortality and the afterlife. And so I have on various guests that share very profound, often inspirational experiences with the spirit realm and, and different paranormal researchers and that um, that sort of thing. But I had on Rocky and he was talking about how, and this this really hit home for me because he has such a profound respect for the spiritual energies. He was saying that, you know, if he goes into a location and he gets the, the feeling or he's told that they don't want him there, he'll leave. So he's extremely respectful of the energy there. And I think that that's something that is often lacking in the field. I think, uh, you know, there's, and, and I'm not downing thrill seeking. I think thrill seeking is great. I love a thrill. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, as paranormal researchers, we have that duty to be respectful and reverent to not only ourselves and our clients and our teammates and the locations, but of course the spiritual energies. And so I think that that goes a long, long way in, in, in research and in, in connecting with, with those that are now no longer with us. So, um, you know, I really get what you're saying about that. And the, the problem, it seems to me, Nicole, and this is, you know, just uh, me thinking about this is that you have to have a little bit of working intuition to mm -hmm. sense those energies and, um, and not putting people down that don't have that developed because I, I don't feel like I, mine is very developed. I have a little bit of a gut feeling, but I'm not a, a highly developed uh, psychic person. And I think you don't always know you're going into a situation, you're kind of open, let's see what happens. And if you don't have a developed sense of intuition, you might not realize those energies don't want you there. That's so, very true. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm going to, I'm going to guess that you have developed that over years of doing paranormal research where yeah. you, you get the sense when you go in, whether you're Absolutely. wanted or not wanted. And, and then you can, I, I like the idea of course, of showing that respect the way you would if somebody was living and you were going into their house. Absolutely. You, you Absolutely. Wouldn't, you wouldn't walk into a neighbor's house and start uh, criticizing them or baiting them or doing anything terrible. So, you know, not to do that for the living as well. Exactly. One of the other things that uh, occurred to me, I was also listening to your podcast and you're talking about this connection between history and the paranormal. And, and one, of the, one of the things that I thought of was years ago when a friend gave me the Seth Speaks books of Jane Roberts. And in those books, she talks about the simultaneous lives going on in a single location so where one man is looking out the window and he's seeing a horse-drawn carriage, there's another man there who I think might be a dentist or something. He looks out the window and he sees a row of cars parked and they're both residing in the same house. And so this was a way for me to get my mind around the fact mm -hmm. that, you know, whether or not there is this issue of time uh, you know, we, of course, think it's 
it's linear because that's how we experience it. But if things are happening simultaneously, to me, that really answers the question about the, the, the residing of ghosts at a particular location. You can have many generations of spirits in one location. And have you come across that in your research when you're trying to identify who's there? Have you found there being from different times altogether, maybe a family, but then maybe also something that was there before that family? Yeah, and in some places it's more obvious than others. You know, one that obviously comes up is is the Ranch of Buena Vista Adobe, just because uh, Allie and I have spent so many years there. I mean, it's going on like 11 or 12 years that I've done tours there and, and I've done investigations, private investigations there. And so I, we have communicated, and this is like years and years and years of experiences and data uh, compiled. We have been able to, to communicate with different energies from, you know, back when the, when the rancho started, back when it was deeded to Felipe Subria, uh, a Native American, and all the way up to um, later years as well. And so that, and like I said, it's, it's not always necessarily known in, in some locations and then others, it's, it's, it's just very like in front of your face that you know that you're dealing with different time periods. But, uh, you know, it's just one of the, what you were saying, it's, it's so important because we have, when we go into a location, we have to be open-minded, but having that knowledge because uh, some people like to go into, and I know I'm going on a tangent here, I apologize, but some people like to go into a location not knowing anything. And I get that. I understand that. What works better for me, though, is I like to know the story, the narrative story of this location from its from its start, even, even if it's a building, even before the building, the entire land. I want to know the narrative history of that because that helps shape how I go in as a researcher, it helps shape, um, uh, you know, EVP sessions and spirit box sessions and, and different types of questioning. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's just one of those things, but that's, that's so interesting about that book. And, you know, time is a weird thing. Like, I don't think it's linear and, you know, sometimes I, I think way out there and my thoughts are way out there, but it's, you know, I've often wondered, you know, what is, is the present and the past all one? You know, yes. maybe it's all yeah. one, you know, yeah. and it's just, oh, it's so fascinating. It, so, it's so fascinating. Hard intellectually to get your mind around that, mm. you know, because yeah. my parents were here and now they're not. And, right. you know, things look like they're linear, but, you mm. know, in the spirit world, uh, have you ever come across the spirits interacting with each other from different points of time? like the, the natives on that uh, Rancho Buena Vista versus the people who were there hundreds of years later? Do, do they interact? Yeah, I think this is more or less, I think this is more of an intuitive impression. It's, it's hard to necessarily capture data where you know for sure that, let's say an EVP, for example, or a, um, an, an exchange on a, on a ghost box session, for example, it's hard to know exactly by looking at an objective piece of data of data, whether you know different energies are communicating with each other. 
But I, I had an interesting experience once on the Queen Mary. Um, oh, God, where were we? I think we were in one of the boiler rooms. This was many years ago. And we had different, um, uh, I think it was uh, ghost boxes, ovaluses. And, you know, a, a novelist device is a, an, an experimental instrumental transcommunication device. And it's one of those devices that I you can't really solely pay attention to it. You have to use it in conjunction with other uh, techniques and other devices, as with any type of equipment. But we were all sitting around a table, and we had, I think, two or three different Ovilus devices. And it was an older version of, I think it was the Ovilus X, if I remember. And there were different words coming through, and it sounded as if there was a conversation going on between one of the box between two or three of the boxes and so i remember us sitting there and we were saying oh my gosh are, is, are they having a conversation with each other again it's hard i couldn't like definitely tell you that but it's it's more you just have an inkling that that might be occurring because it's hard to necessarily prove that i am curious to know if these spirits these entities that are detected by whatever means indicate to the researchers that they appreciate the passage of time? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Um, in terms of, uh, I want to make sure I understand that. You mean like in passage of time and in, in, in understanding like our, like our time frame, like the right. from the researchers to like acknowledging like our present time? Is that For what example, you mean? For if, example, if you're at the Adobe and you say, uh, it's getting dark in here, and you're talking to your fellow researchers, let's throw on the light switch. Would there be an entity come through and say, what's a light switch? You know, you light a candle with an understanding. Yeah. You even see that. I'll take it one step further, Nicole. You, you might, and I've heard it, I looked at the transcripts of some of your work at the Adobe, and it seems to me that the souls on the other side refer to others in ethnic terms as when, for example, one voice mentions Indians using the time that was the term that was current back then, rather than, you know, Native American tribal member, which you wouldn't say 150 years ago. Right. And that's actually a good point, because when we question, you know, some and we explain to our tour guests, you know, the reason we're using Indian is because that's the word that they used in the past. You know, we want to we want to. Uh, contribute to their environment and use uh, words that they're familiar with. And it, it cracks me up because a lot of times, you know, you see people going into a location and they're going to say, okay, we have all kinds of equipment and they'll use words like equipment. They'll use words like gadgets. They'll use words like contraption. And, you know, someone back in the 1800s may not know what that is. So if you are going to use you know, words like, okay, we have various devices or equipment or gadgets, explain that, try to explain that so they have a little bit of understanding because they're not going to know what that is. But we've had instances uh, where um, we'll get, like, we'll ask a question in English and we'll get a response in Spanish or vice versa and that sort of thing, which is which is uh, very intriguing. But I wanted to, because it's on my mind, uh, you said something earlier, Suzanne, where... Um, uh, you don't want to, in life, go up to a stranger and just act odd or, you know, intrusive. And that's that's a good point, because a lot of people, and I've been guilty of this when I first started, a lot of people will go into a site and they'll, let's say, let's use 
BVP as an example, they'll like put on their recorder. They'll just have it right there, set it down on the table. They'll turn it on and they'll immediately start asking, what's your name? It's like, without any sort of introduction, would you go up to a stranger on the street and just start like interrogating them with questions? No, you wouldn't, right? So that's why we always, and I'm not saying that my way is better or anything. It's just, I think it's respectful and I think it's the right thing to do. We always have a a statement of intent where we'll have our device or our audio recorders turned on, ready to go. And then we'll say, you know, you know, my name is Nicole. Um, I'm here with so-and-so. We're here to just talk with you and and learn about your history. We're not here to, to harm or hurt you. We come with respect you know, we don't force you to talk with us, but we would love to have a, a conversation with you and learn a little bit about your story, that sort of thing. And then I always say, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to hear you with our own ears, but we'll try our best. But that's why we have these various gadgets. And I'll kind of explain what they are here that help capture your voice. And I think that that totally helps set the tone. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we get pretty good uh audio data so you, you actually anticipated my question oh that's I, funny I was Did going I? <laughs> to ask you if you go in and talk to the entities first and you do you yeah go in and you talk yeah. to you you talk to the spirit world i would imagine that you would talk to the people who are going with you in advance and set some ground rules mm-hmm. but then when you get there you address the spirits in the place where you are. And, and I just, I mean, I think that is a, a beautiful way to go about uh, getting, you know, the information that you right. want to get. Right. And oftentimes like before tours or, or even investigation, I'll, I'll go and do a little brief walkthrough and introduce myself and say, I'm, you know, for example, let's use the Adobe for an example. We're going to bring a tour group through here just so you know. And so I let them know because I think it's the right thing to do. I just, I'm always cognizant of not, I don't want to disrespect them. I don't want to exploit them. I'm always cognizant of that um, exploitation. That's a whole nother discussion. But um, yeah, so I'm always cognizant of being respectful to the energies. Look, I don't care if they were in life you know, a bad person, if they were a murderer, did some terrible things in life, they're deceased now. And, you know, you just, you can go a long way with with being respectful. It's the golden rule. So, and it works, it just works really well. Very important for your purposes too, to be practical about it. That's for sure. Nicole Strickland is our honored guest of the hour. She is the host of the Afterlife Chronicles. And I have listened to a podcast. I thought I was listening to the most recent one. Didn't catch last night's, but the one prior to. There was some great stuff involving the Oregon Ghost Conference and related matters. Uh, before we, I just want to, here's like, okay, we'll do the, uh, the break, then the marketing piece. I was just racing ahead to the marketing. <laughs> Give us a couple of minutes. Nicole's waiting. She'll be happy to tell us all about that and so much more when we come back to Manson Mitchell right here on Seattle's home of alternative talk, sometimes spooky talk on AM 1150. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. 
Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Every two minutes, a child becomes a victim of sex trafficking in the U.S. It's happening right now. Don't turn off the radio or change the channel. Don't cover your kids' ears, no matter how much you want to ignore it. Child trafficking is real. In fact, it's happening in your town. And you know what our greatest weapon against child trafficking is? It's our children. It's time to act with PACT. That's Partners Against Child Trafficking. PACT works to teach students how to identify the warning signs of child trafficking so they can help other vulnerable kids around them. PACT student ambassadors receive in-depth training on the issue and design a project to raise awareness, reduce victimization, and disrupt demand. Visit PACT.city to start donating today. That's P-A-C-T C-I-T-Y. And for as little as $5 a month, you can help end child exploitation. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome back Nicole Strickland, a well-respected researcher of the paranormal who rigorously investigates claims of ghosts and hauntings. On Saturday, Scott Mance, also known as Movie Mance, handicaps this year's Oscar races, and the Oscar goes to... Bringing you mastery and mystery one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Walking your talk? Take us with you. The KKNW app makes streaming our programming easy on your phone or tablet. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Nicole Strickland. Nicole, we have a little uh, place on our bookshelves for all the Nicole books, and I did not take them down, so I would like you to talk about your various books uh, and your podcast, and this is your ninth visit with us. Is it? Oh my gosh. The first one was in 2013. Whoa. You've been with us at least once a year since 2013. That is, I mean, I am so honored. Oh my God. That's amazing. One visit away from number 10 when she gets the uh, commemorative plaid blazer. (laughs) (laughs) 10 or more club. I love it. I love it. Oh my God. That's amazing. Please let our listeners know you mentioned the queen bear, uh, Mary, you mentioned the Adobe. Uh, we, we want you to talk about the the various books and, and what they're about because you do some really, really fascinating research and writing. So please let. Oh yeah. Thank you. So, you know, I've always had a passion for writing. I just, it's something that I've always enjoyed, but I never, never as a child ever would have envisioned being an author book author but you know that just happened 
So my very first book, oh, 2009, I believe it was, is A Field Guide to Southern California Hauntings. And I've come a long way as a book writer since then. And so it's a small book where I just talked a little bit about the history and, and uh, like an overview of history and, and paranormal phenomena at various locations throughout um, Southern California. And so then when I, you know, discovered my love of the Queen Mary and started researching the ship back in 2005 i've written so far three books about the queen mary rms queen mary the first one is the haunted queen of the seas the living legend of the rms queen mary and that is basically a historical overview that's braided with the, the ship's paranormal phenomena so it's kind of an overview of both the history and the paranormal phenomena and then toward the end of end of that book i i talk about different visitor uh, experiences that they've had since like the late 70s to the present, uh, experiences with the paranormal that is. So that's great. And then I uh, followed that up with uh, what I call a sister book and that's Spirited Queen Mary, Her Haunted Legend. And that delves more into the ship's uh, spiritual side, uh, her, more, uh, more of my own experiences, uh, paranormal experiences on the on the vessel, a little bit more commentary on some of her resident ghosts and spirits and that and that sort of thing. So that it's more of a, a delving into the ship's paranormal side, if you will. And then the third Queen Mary book is RMS Queen Mary Voices from Her Voyages. And that was such a joy to write. So were the others, don't get me wrong. But it took me about two years to actually do because I had to interview various former crew passengers uh world war ii veterans and war brides and so the book is uh, essentially sharing their sailing stories and accounts and so it's a great great book and all three of those books are actually sold on board the ship as well as online as well and they're they're top sellers which is fantastic currently because of covid the ship is still closed hoping that it's going to open this summer keep my fingers crossed I may or may not be working on a fourth book about the ship. I may or may not, maybe. Um, and then uh, San Diego's Most Haunted. Uh, oh God, I always forget the subtitle. I think it's a, the historical legacy and paranormal marvels of America's finest city. Such a long subtitle, but that's again, uh, a historical uh, discussion and, and, and a just historical slash paranormal discussion of various uh, historical places throughout San Diego. And so I talk also about some of my team's research at, at, at those locations as well. And then uh, I wrote a book called Spirits of Rancho Buena Vista Adobe, which is basically the history of the adobe and then all of our research into paranormal research into the adobe. So it was a lot of fun to write. I am coming out with, and it's going to be Schiffer, public, published by Schiffer Publishing, and it's going to be published fall of 2021. And that is the Afterlife Chronicles, exploring the connection between life, death, and beyond. Another joy to write. And that book in one sentence, uh, I guess, discusses mortality's connection with the afterlife. And so various concepts are discussed, the role of intuition and in communicating with the afterlife, um, the soul survival of physical death, collective consciousness, uh, spirit communication techniques, near-death experiences. So there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that, that you know, a lot of information in that book. And then um, I'm actually collaborating with uh, Marie D. Jones and Denise Agnew 
on a woman in the paranormal um, book project. And so I'll just hmm. leave it at that now. But that's and your something. website, Nicole. Website is authornicolestrickland.com. Yeah, okay. so that's my that's pretty much the that has everything about me. So excellent, excellent. Well, thank you. Yeah. Before the break, Nicole, you mentioned the word exploitation, and I would like to get into that with you. My lighthearted way of addressing it is to remember the uh, times when Suzanne and I would get on the Haunted Mansion ride. There, I've been on it both at Disneyland and at Disney World at the Magic Kingdom. And Suzanne and I would see which hitchhiking ghost was <laughs> going to be sitting there in the, uh, the seat with us as we made our way past this interesting window where you've got these ghosts, you know, tipping the hat and, and climbing aboard to ride away with you. Thus, you are haunted. But, you know, looking at it in terms of the ethics of your profession, of your endeavor, exploitation isn't a guess. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm going to let you explain nuances. Maybe when ghosts decide they want to follow you home, there's something exploitative about that. But I've seen far more of it on the opposite end where people go in, sometimes quite rudely, they invade the space of a spirit and challenge it with insulting remarks in order to instigate some kind of encounter. And they exploit the situation for a television program, for the ratings, for the money. That to me has always seemed to be a disreputable way for paranormal researchers to do business. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I, I will say that I know a lot of, of researchers personally that are fantastic investigators, fantastic researchers that are on television shows. And you, you, you have to remind yourself that, that these shows, the premise of them is for entertainment. You know, there are some pros and cons. I mean, people watching the shows can get a glimpse into the location a glimpse into the types of equipment and even sometimes a glimpse into, you know, the methodologies that us researchers use. But you have to remember that these shows are for entertainment. So if someone is, is relying on paranormal television as, you know, the only way to educate themselves about, you know, investigating the paranormal, that's, I don't recommend that at all because a lot of these shows are not genuine at all to real life paranormal research. And so, you know, that's, that gets me into the thought of there's um, the ghost hunter mentality versus the paranormal researcher mentality. And I, you know, and I'm not, there's a lot of teams that have ghost hunter in their title. That's fine. I'm not talking necessarily about that. I'm talking more about the mentality and the reasons for, for wanting to, to explore the paranormal are, are based out of just thrill seeking and that's it and that's fine but if you're going to go into a place with the with the goal of thrill seeking and and by doing that you might be disrespecting an entity in the location you cannot call yourself a researcher there is so much that goes into a paranormal research project and it takes professionalism it takes humility it takes uh, uh definitely putting your ego on the shelf because ego and 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 this type of work does not mix at all whatsoever, especially if you're going to uh, approach your work from a, um, a psychic medium sort of sort of standpoint. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just, you know, if, if, if your reasons for getting in this field are because you want to, you know, make a name for yourself, uh, you know, doing it for personal branding, uh, if, you're, if your reasons of getting into the field are because you want to get, like I said, get famous, 
um, and that sort of thing. You know, I, I just, it's that sort of thing that just kind of, it's always like a, a thorn in my side because it's just, yeah. And I, sometimes I feel like I'm all alone in this, you know, it's, and I know I'm not, but it's just one of those things that, you know, it's, yeah, I no, think that there's a lot of, yeah, you're not alone. There's a lot of people who approach this with some ethics. It does, you're saying that, you know, if you're getting into it for entertainment, that's not a good idea. I'm wondering if when you're leading tour groups, most of the people in the tour groups are doing it for more or less entertainment purposes because they're wanting to see if something's going to happen. Obviously, it would be pretty difficult to take a group of people, six, eight, 10, to a site and then have the spirit say, um, not today. And then you turn around and you say to the group, oh, they don't want us here today. Sorry. I mean, if you are, if, if people are interested in pursuing this, especially in a, a group setting, because it's new to them and they want to know more about it, other than entertainment, what is it that drives people into researching the paranormal? What are they looking to get out of it? You know, that's that's such a good question. I think a lot of, I mean, I can't answer for other people. Um, I know that a lot of people that are, are been in the field for quite some time, like myself, uh, there's usually one, or maybe it's several, but usually there's that one profound experience that they had that really changed their their thoughts on on the afterlife and, and viewpoints on the afterlife and that that one experience or maybe a, a culmination of a few different experiences is what i guess propelled them on their path but i think that it's to add i mean i know why i'm doing it you know it's just it's a passion it's something that it, it's it's almost hard to explain in words but it's something that i just love doing and it's 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 a, like I said, it's a passion, but I think it's an individualized, you know, it's hard to, I can't answer for other people. Well, when you're leading a group in there, uh, are, does the group itself say, you know, we can hardly wait to see a ghost or are they asking you more about the history of the place or, you know, what if, if, you know, if we were to, to go on a, a tour with you um, to the Rancho Buena Vista Adobe you know, when you take people out there and they're not professional paranormal researchers, are they just out there to see what's going to happen or they want to know the history of the place or are they, mm -hmm. are they connected with it in some way? I mean, what, it's what a combination. I would say yeah. it's a for I'm specifically speaking for our tours at the Adobe, it's a combination. Um, you know, some of the younger crowd might want to come in, you know, because they're, they're interested and in, in maybe they do watch the shows or they just have an interested interest in, in, in the paranormal and they want to have that experience. Other people come in and they, they have a connection with the Adobe. They, they are Vista residents. That's where the Adobe is in Vista, California. Others want to uh, learn a little bit about the history. So it's a little bit of a mix. But when we go, when we operate our tours and they're two hours in length, we don't just start touring the place. Allie and I, we do a whole uh, presentation at the beginning. We show a, a little 10 minute video and it's not a boring video, but it's a, it's a 10 minute video that's really well produced that talks about the history, gives an overview of the history. Then we sit everyone um, 
out in, in a general room area. It's in, actually in the guest house where we do our, our uh, intro. And uh, we do a little presentation about how we approach our research and we lay, we do have ground rules. We tell them, you know, these are, you know, when you go in, you're going to be respectful. There's absolutely no provoking. Uh, so we have our certain rules, but we give them a little bit of a, a, a glimpse into how we do research. So we kind of set the tone with our presentation. Then by the time we go into the premises and do a tour, people kind of know where we're coming from, you know, and know kind of our mindset. And we've had some very respectful people. There were a couple people, one woman, and this was the very first tour we ever did back in, I think, 2011. She came having a few margaritas and it clearly states, you know, if you have, you know, consumed a lot of alcohol or, or marijuana or anything like that, you're not, you're not allowed on. And so she came in and she was not really overly drunk, but during the tour, she was just kind of like staggering. And we actually had to ask her to leave for her own safety, first and foremost. And then we had a situation a few years ago where a woman came and you could literally smell the marijuana on her. And we pulled her aside and we were very professional. And actually, Allie handled this. And she pulled her aside in a private room and explained to her the reasons why she was not permitted to be on the tour, but obviously she could come back at a future date. That woman actually gave us a five-star review for that because she actually loved the way that we approached it. So, but wow. for, yeah, for the, I mean, for the most part, it's the, our guests have been really great. So. And was, was this particular lady so high that the ghost got the munchies? <laughs> oh God, I hope not. Oh my God. <laughs> Actually, it was it would we didn't actually let her into the actual Adobe. We were just at the guest house. It was the beginning of the tour, but yeah, she she really she smoked a few joints. That's for sure. <laughs> taking the pot, touring, you're not right, <laughs> and it's just it's more for their safety. I mean, for ours too, but it's it's their safety, right? You know, we don't want them falling and hurting themselves. And there's so many different artifacts in the building too. We don't want any of those to be damaged. So, oh, absolutely. I wanted to yeah. ask you what role intention plays. Gary and I deal with a fair amount of mediums, and yeah. We will hear when somebody comes on that uh, somebody, a spirit, will have contacted them while they were eating their breakfast or showering or getting dressed because they knew that the medium was going to be on our show and they wanted to get a message to somebody here. And so when you have a lot of success with spirits when you're leading these groups i'm wondering um if first of all it's it is something that you do really well and you're very respectful about it but i'm wondering if your your rate of success is high because your the spirits know oh well nicole's doing a tour today it's like they're anticipating what it is that you're doing in order to be around you. Does that make sense, Nicole? Yeah, yeah, it does. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's getting back to setting the tone. I think that that helps, you know, and, and, and allowing them to uh, understand like where you're coming from and what you're doing, you know, and then if they know, if they know where you're coming from, then I think that that helps with their willingness to participate. So, but yeah, I, I absolutely understand where you're coming from. 
I wanted to talk to you a little bit because Nicole is here and we can't go without mentioning her, the wonderful spirited Queen Mary. Oh this must be a real bummer for you. When was the last time you were on board? Oh my goodness. So December of 2020 was the last time I know my mom and I went just up for the day and yeah, it's, you know, and I have so many close friends that um, I'm actually part of a group. It's called the Clan Mary Gathering Group and very, very good friends of mine. And we we miss because we get together on the ship, you know, randomly and sometimes during uh, for anniversaries and things like that or events. And we just we haven't been on board together in so long. And yeah, it's hard. It really is hard. I have gone up a couple of times to see the ship but I haven't been able to get on board, so. Nicole, you said December of two, 220, which was just a few months ago. Did you mean 2019? I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sorry, 2019, yes. That's yeah, what you know I what, thought. I said that and it didn't sound right. Yeah, yeah, okay. 2019. So it's, it's been mm-hmm. like 15 months. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Time bleeds together for us too. It's like, <laughs> wait, what month is this? You know, We've been yeah, going I said that, and I'm like, wait, I thought to myself, <laughs> that's not right, and I just kept talking, but yeah, to, uh, December 2019. Have there <laughs> been one or two people who love the Queen Mary as much as you who have passed on since you were last on board? I'll look on Facebook sometimes, and you honor certain people who passed on, and I'm sure that their loving attachment to the great ship is true. Even on the other side of life, they retain that love for the Queen Mary. Oh, absolutely. Ralph Rushton was... Uh, a beloved crew member who passed recently. He uh, was on board as a, he worked his way up from a bellboy to a commas waiter, a beloved crew member, and he passed away. Uh, he lived in Australia. So Ralph rushed in and we uh, kind of honored him and did uh, like a, made a little card for him and sent the card to his son and all that. So it was, it was really hard to see that he passed, but yeah, very, very beloved crew member. And he's actually, his story is actually featured in my book, RMS Queen Mary Voices from Her Voyages. So great, great guy. When I think about haunted locations, I'm thinking about it from being in the position of someone who is curious about the subject matter of ghosts and of hauntings. But I can put myself in the place, and this presumes that our consciousness continues on after the death of our bodies, in the place of people who worked or sailed, maybe they were, you know, multi-trip passengers on the Queen Mary, whomever it would be, who pass on and retain such a loving attachment to the boat that they wouldn't even see it as haunting. For them, it would be more like, this is where I choose rather than going on to the next stage of life, going into the light, as they say, this is where I choose to remain earthbound because it means so much to me to be here. Yeah, no, I think that that, that definitely applies to many, to many resident energies on board. I mean, it's just in my experience, uh, uh, speaking of uh, 18 year old JP again, out of respect for his family, I'm just going to mention his initials. It seems as though he's, choosing to stay on board i think he knows that he can move on but it's something that he he chooses he chooses to stay and i think maybe maybe for others too they might uh 
come and visit the ship and then kind of go back to where they are. And, you know, especially if they're more evolved and they're not earthbound and they're more in the, in the spiritual uh, stage, they can kind of come back at free will. And, and that might apply too. But I think that that's one of the reasons that makes the Queen Mary so different from a lot of other locations is that a lot of her energies are, are those that actually have a connection to her. And so because there's that love for the ship, I mean, I've talked to former crew and passengers who have that love and connection to the ship. If I have it, other, obviously other people have it, many other people have it. So I think that that definitely is one of the reasons why, you know, her, her spiritual phenomena is so, so important and, and often uh, inspirational. So. I have read stories of, railroad conductors and men that work in the yard and they show up and they might be swinging a lantern or they may appear in uniform. It seems that a lot of people were so attached to their work in this life that they remain on duty, even in the afterlife in that netherworld. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it might be a, a residual sort of, uh, you know, psychic imprint, if you will. Other times it's definitely they in, intelligently want to be back. That's where they enjoy. That's what they love doing. I often wonder if you can't have a residual sighting and an intelligent sighting of the same entity. I think that that's uh, uh, potentially possible as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I know when I pass on, I mean, I know I'm going to be, I don't know if I'm going to be on the Queen Mary for, you know, all at all hours of the day and night, but I definitely am going to be visiting the ship, that's for sure. And even other locations that I've, that I've researched that I like. So, yeah. Speaking of which, I have no way of verifying this, but it's comforting to at least imagine that Rosemary Ellen Guiley, oh, yeah. known far and wide, had friends everywhere. She apparently, and I emphasize apparently because you can't prove it by me there, but she seems to be maintaining contact with those with whom she had friendships and good working relationships while she was in the body. I'll have people contact me. Rosemary came to me in a dream or I got this impression from Rosemary and I did as I was directed and things worked out. It's right. fascinating to at least contemplate the possibility. Oh my, yes, she's actually come to me a couple of times and one of which was so profound that I actually you know, started crying and I was like, oh my gosh, Rosemary, I know you're here. I can feel you. But yeah, I miss her. I miss her a lot. In my upcoming book, The Afterlife Chronicles, um, I have a little dedication statement that I have for her. So, oh, so it's, so yeah, nice. yeah, I, I miss her. She was such a, such a, a driving force in the field. Just, just a wonderful lady. Absolutely true. Nicole, thank you for time. Number, number nine. <laughs> yeah. Number nine. It's, uh, thank 1 you. Pacific. You're coming back. We're going to do a back. half hour of trip talk with a couple of your close friends from yeah. the Oregon area. That will be fun. Thank Looking you, forward Nicole to Strickland. it. We thank can't you wait for, for having me. A pleasure. We'll get the blazer. We'll get you fitted for that. <laughs> visit number 10. Yes. Thank you guys so much. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned for the Christine Upchurch show, followed by the Susan Harmon experience and then American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance and his guest today, Nicole Strickland. Yay. <laughs> Love it. Let, let this be the start of a great weekend, everyone. <laughs>